Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. In reading in a few moments with verse 34. M. Scott Peck, in his book, The People of the Lie, talks about a young woman named Charlene. And someone asked her one day, what is your purpose in life? And she replied with the, what she'd been taught in church. We exist for the glory of God. And her questioner said, well? And she said, I can't do it. That would be the death of me. I've got to live for myself, just for my own sake. I can't live for God. Who gets priority? You or God? You know, that's been uh, something that's been with us from the very beginning. Who gets priority? It's an ancient struggle, really started in the Garden of Eden. Who gets priority? Our desires or the desires of God Himself? Well, the Scripture has a great deal to say about that. In fact, one of the Ten Commandments, in fact, the very first commandment says, You will have no other gods before me. Right up front, God makes it plain. He's supposed to be first. And we find a reflection of that in Jesus' teaching. Let's look at this passage. Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, the Pharisees, as usual, were not trying to gain some information from Jesus that they felt like they didn't have. And Scripture says they came to test Jesus. In other words, they wanted to trick Jesus. They wanted to catch him in something. The Pharisees recognized 613 laws. They'd gone meticulously through the Old Testament, and that's what they'd come up with. 613. 365 were something like, you shall not. And then 248 of them were more, you know, positive, you need to do this. 613 commandments. And they debated, which is the most important? Well, if you've got 613, you've got a lot to debate, don't you? And so they were seeking to pull Jesus into the bait because they wanted to show, well, this old hotshot doesn't really know what he thinks he knows. You know, we're the teachers of the law, and we've studied this a long time, and we can ask him one of these questions we've been wrestling with, and, you know, we'll just show him up. Didn't work out that way, did it? As usual, Jesus came out with the upper hand. Jesus said, love is essential. He was cutting right to the heart of the matter. He, he wasn't going to shuffle through all of those laws and say, well, this one's number one and this was number 273. He said, let's see what the true essence of all of this is. And it boiled down to love. Love God 
Love God with your heart, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. We're to love God. And then you're to love your neighbor. Jesus made that plain as well. Now, love God comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love your neighbor from Leviticus, I believe, 19. And he was picking up on the Old Testament, but he was getting to the very heart of it and showing us the very heart of it. And by implication, when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, he was saying, you love yourself. Now, the greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love God. To love God with your total being. Not just with part of yourself, with all of yourself. We're to love God with our physical strength giving the the strength of our body to serve Him and to praise Him. We're to love Him with our mental capability, taking time to study His Word and to think about it and to ponder on it, to discuss it with others. We're to love God with our personality so that our day-to-day interactions with others reflect God in one way or another. We're to love Him with the skills that He has given us. We're to love Him with the influence that we have. In other words, we take every part of who we are and direct that toward God. Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. How we do our work, how we communicate, how we interact with others, we do it all to the glory of God. The greatest commandment is that we love God with our total being. And Jesus is the best example of how to do this. Think back over his life. Think of the things that you know that he did. You know, he talked with God. He set aside time for prayer. You know, sometimes the scriptures say he got up early in the morning to go out to pray. Sometimes it says he prayed all night. He took time for prayer. He, he prayed when he had to make a big decision, like when he was choosing his disciples. He prayed when he was facing a crisis, like in the Garden of Gethsemane when he knew he was going to the cross. He set the example by prayer. He set the example by obeying God. He did what God wanted him to do. He did what God sent him to this earth to do. He did it by sacrificing himself and going to the cross. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, He became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He obeyed God even when it cost him his very life. He set the example for us and loving God with our total self. He spent his life serving others. Did you love that video that we had earlier in the service? Seeing Jesus, you know, bring sight, seeing Jesus bring strength to the one who couldn't walk, seeing Jesus feed those who were hungry. He spent his life serving others. He set the example for us in what it means to love God. He trusted God. He trusted God to provide for him. He trusted God to give him guidance in his life. He trusted God all the way to the cross and through the cross. And his trust proved that he had put it in the right place because God raised up Jesus from the dead, made him alive forevermore, gave him a name that's above every name, and one day before Jesus all will bow. He set the example for us in trusting God, showing us that that's the way we show our love to God and love Him with our total being. 
He set the example for us. And then he gave us the second commandment. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. You know something that stood out about me in this passage of Scripture, stood out to me in this passage of Scripture? They didn't ask Jesus what the second commandment was. They just asked him what the first one was. He answered that, and then he volunteered the second one when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. I think Jesus knew, didn't he, that they're interlinked. That you don't love Jesus without loving others. It's what we read about in 1 John, what Tammy read about earlier before she had her prayer. You know, if you love God, you love others. If you don't love others, then there's something suspect about your love for God. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In the Gospel of Luke, when this passage of Scripture, when Luke recorded it, he, he gave Jesus' example that he gave, the parable of the Good Samaritan guy that got robbed, left for dead, and, you know, a couple of religious guys came along, didn't do anything about it, passed by on the other side. Half-breed Samaritan came along, ministered to his need. Jesus said, that's the neighbor. You, you're showing your love to your neighbor when you see a need and respond to it, even if it's an interruption in your daily routine, even if it's going to cost you some money even if it's going to cost you some time. You, you just see the need and, and, and you respond to it. Put a mouse in front of a cat and you learn the nature of a cat, don't you? Put a person in need in front of a Christian and you learn the nature of a Christian. Jesus said we love our neighbors ourselves and he gave us a good commandment. He gave us the good example, the good Samaritan, and then he said, as you love yourself. We're to love others as we love ourselves. Now, what do you want for yourself? You ever stop to think about it? What do you want for yourself? Well, you, you want love. You want acceptance. You want grace when what you've got isn't quite enough to provide what's needed. You want mercy when you mess up. Sometimes you want help just because you need a helping hand. Sometimes you want others to accept the help you want to give them. You want to be treated with gentleness. You want to be treated with encouragement. If you're wise, you will want correction when you need it. You'll want the physical necessities of life. You want forgiveness. You want to go to heaven when you die. You want those things, don't you? If you love your neighbor as yourself, you want those very same things for your neighbor. You want those very same things for other people. You want to make sure they have those things because you're a human being. You know what it's like to want them and to need them. So we get to the heart of the matter. It goes back where we started, doesn't it? Who gets priority? Who's going to get priority? Who comes first? We have trouble keeping our priorities straight. Back when Lyndon Johnson had become president, Vietnam War was beginning to expand, you know, and Johnson came up with what he called the Great Society. A lot of new government programs. 
Now, some decisions had to be made about where to allocate all of the government spending. And Johnson's aides were thinking, you know, somebody's got to make some decisions about this. And finally, in exasperation, one aide went to him and said, President Johnson, I understand and appreciate the desire you have to implement all of those good programs. But something's got to come, not, but not everything can be first. That, that's our problem, isn't it? We, everything seems to want to be first in our lives. And we have to struggle to make the decision, what comes first? What gets priority? Remember the game Trivial Pursuit? I, know we, I used to play it some when I was younger. It's, trouble is, it gets to be a description of our lives. What we are pursuing in our lives are trivial. You know, the latest fads, the latest fashions, the latest gadgets. You know, sometimes they get priority. You know, sometimes we get caught up in, you know, materialism and, you know, you know wanting to be comfortable and wanting to have everything we want and wanting it right now. Material things, money, wealth, ease, trivial things in the light of eternity. Trivial when it comes down to the things that really matter and are lasting. And yet, sometimes... All of those different things begin to take our attention away, our focus away, our time and energy and effort away to what is really important, loving God and loving others. Pascal said, the last thing one knows is what to put first. He about hit the nail on the head, didn't he? Well, Jesus told us up front what to put first. The greatest commandment. But... Society says the individual is to have first place. Look at the message you get from our society. It is society, really. You know, daily messages coming to us. Well, you ought to take this trip. After all, you deserve it. Or you need to buy that expensive thing. After all, you've earned it from all you've done. It's always reminding us, always telling us, you know, that put yourself first. We've got an exalted concept of selfhood in our nation today. And it shows itself in many ways. We're going to get ahead in our business and profession so we will neglect our family and our church. You know, we want physical satisfaction now so we will go into extramarital or premarital affairs. We you know, want the best things that life has to offer, so we sacrifice the lasting things to get them. You know what? Even shows us up in religion. Sometimes we use religion just to enhance ourselves. One woman said, it, it makes me a whole person to give God a place in my life. Listen to that. It makes me a whole person to give God a place in my life. A lot of people say that sounds pretty good. Going to give God a place in your life. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want a place in your life. He wants first place in your life. Isn't that what Jesus said? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. First place. But putting self first shows up in our religious practices. Sporadic addition. Attend, attendance at church. Well, you know, it's raining outside today. You know, 
Well, I want to hear the pregame yak about the football. think I'll stay home this morning. Uh, we can make it a lot of excuses not to be here when we're able to be here. Preparedness for Bible study. Before you come to Sunday school, before you come to worship, do you pray for your teachers? Do you study your lesson? Do you pray for the class? Do you pray for those who will be worshiping? Do you pray for the preacher? Do you pray for the choir? Do you prepare? Do you prepare yourself? Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me the mind to worship you and to focus on you. Or is it just, okay, Sunday morning I'm going to church. Okay, I'm Prayer meeting attendance. We don't meet in here. We don't have to. Why not? Giving. If you're putting God first, you've got to give. You've got to give to His work through His church. The guideline is 10% of your income. That's the guideline. Some of you can't make it right yet. you got too many other bills and payments to do. You know, maybe you need to say, I can give 3%, and if I work at it next year, I can give 4 and you begin to work your way up. 10% is a guideline. Give as the Lord has blessed you. It may be all right for you to give 14%. Maybe that's what you should be giving. But you bring your giving to God because you're putting God first. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you don't like every single decision that the church makes on how to spend its money. You know what? It doesn't matter if you don't have a permanent pastor right now. You're not putting the pastor first or the church first. You're supposed to be putting God first. And you honor God with the first fruits of what He blesses you with. Giving. Little concern for the lost and needy. My needs are met. If I'm comfortable... Things going all right with me? Well, oh, life's working along all right. You know, I don't need to get too upset about somebody that might be in need down the street or my next door neighbor who might not know the Lord. Putting self first shows up sometimes in our religion. God is to have first place. We are to love Him. We are to love Him with our heart and our soul and our strength. We are to love Him. We are to think about Him. You spend any time during the week thinking about God? Thinking about what God expects you to do? Thinking about how He wants you to live? Do you do things differently because of Him? You know, the world tells us to do things this way. It seeks to push us into its mold. God says, here are my instructions for you. Are you different enough from those who don't know the Lord so that those who don't know the Lord will know that you're a believer. We're supposed to be different because we love God. We're going to act differently. We're going to make our choices in light of His Word, not in the light of what the Supreme Court rules or what the legislature passage or what everybody else is doing. We come back to His Word. He's told us what we're to do. We are to live for Him, putting Him first. Some really live for God. And it shows up in their actions. You know, they come to Sunday school and worship even though they had to work late the night before. They'll serve on church committees. They'll take positions of service in the church. They'll sing in the choir. 
and they'll give themselves to doing it to the best of their ability. And you just notice those people, they do it. They, they are the people who say, yeah, I know I've sinned. God, you've got to forgive me. You've got to purify me. You've got to help me live the life you want me to live. They'll turn away from temptation, even though it may be strong, because they know that God expects holiness in the lives of his people. They'll refuse unethical practices, whether it's an unethical practice at work or cheating on a test in school. Well, they just don't do it. Some love others of themselves, and you see it. They'll lead a, a youth group, even middle schoolers. Boy. They'll visit a sick friend. They'll give to the hunger offering. They will pray for people who are in need. They will give to charities. They forgive a wrong. They suffer an injustice without retaliating. They break off a relationship to avoid committing adultery. They live in ways that shows they really love other people. They're going to do what's right. Jesus gave us a marvelous definition of religion. Love the Lord your God with your total being. Love others as you love yourself. That, man, that's a good definition. It all comes back to giving God priority, to loving Him by giving Him first place in your life. We're to give Him first place in our life. Some of you have heard of the artist, great artist Whistler. Whistler, the artist, had a friend come to him one day and said to him, I've just bought a, a, a painting and I want you to come and help me hang it in the right place in, in my house. So Whistler went over there with his friend and the friend would hold up the painting in place, first one place and then another, you know, and finally Whistler said, wait a minute, you're going about this all wrong. Move all of the furniture out of the room, decide where that picture needs to go, and then arrange the furniture around it. We need to put God where he needs to go and then arrange all the other furniture in our life around him. We give him first place. And why would we do that? Listen to John 4.10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. We love God because he loved us first. We love God because he sacrificed his son for us. We love God because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That if we believe on him, we won't perish but have everlasting life. How did God show his love among us? God showed his love among us by sending his son into the world to die for our sins. God showed his love by letting Jesus die on the cross. And when we respond to that, then we become his child. When we respond to that, we become one of his people. We become one of his treasured possessions. We become one of his children. Behold what manner of love the Father has showered on us that we should be called the children of God, and that's what we are. We love him because he first loved us and let his son be our sacrifice. We love him because he's made us his children. 
We love Him because He's going to watch over us and care for us and provide for us now and even for all eternity. What does the Scripture say? He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? We're going to inherit everything. We don't have to live for self. God's going to give us more than we can ask or imagine. He's our Father who loves us. We're to love Him in return. Now, we link these two commandments to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and loving our neighbor as ourself to our proposed mission statement. We love God, we'll connect with Jesus. We're responding to the love of God, we're going to connect with Jesus. If we love Jesus, we'll connect with His people. If God loves all of us, and we accept Jesus into our life, the love of God is going to come into our life, and we're going to love each other. I mean, it's just natural. That's just what's going to happen. If you've got Jesus in your life, if you really have Jesus in your life, you're going to love God's people. And then, if you love others as you do yourself, you'll want for them what you want for yourself, and I bet you want for yourself eternal life, so you'll want for them eternal life. And so you'll seek to make the good news known. You know what? I bet you haven't always loved God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. You know what? I bet you haven't always loved other people as you love yourself. That's the two greatest commandments. You haven't lived up to them. Think about how you've missed so many others. What are we talking about? You're never going to be good enough to merit eternal life. You are never going to be good enough to merit eternal life. But don't despair. Because there is the grace of God, the mercy of God, There is the love of God that's provided Jesus for your sacrifice. So even though you don't measure up, He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. And in His love, He will take you to be His child. He'll give you eternal life. And you get to live forever with everything and all of His people. Today, maybe you need to just accept the love of God. You know, you know how you feel when you want to offer somebody some kind of help and, and for one reason or another they won't take it? Don't do God that way. Take what He's offering you. Take the gift of eternal life that God is offering you because He loves you. Accept Him into your life. Connect with Him. And let Him connect you with the church and connect you with an eternal purpose that fills your life with meaning. Today, receive Jesus as your Savior. You've done that, most of you. And so, maybe you need to come today and say, Lord, you know I fall short. Work in me so that I will have the will and the power to do your will. Help me to love you with all of my being, 
Help me, Lord, to love others as I love myself and live it out day by day. Your invitation hymn this morning is number 358.